I want to ask you about a couple of people that you, that both of us like, and both of us thought maybe, well, no, I thought they were both done, but you were completely right about uh, Danny Shapovalov, who won his first tournament in St- yesterday in Stockholm. You said he would bounce back. He got a great start a couple of years ago. How big was that win yesterday? I know it's not a big tournament, but, I mean, it's just mentally for him. You know what? I don't. I, it could have been a tournament around the block, and I think it would have been good for him. His, um, I mean, his, his, stump, his, his sort of block has been getting to the semifinals, which he'd done seven times before and not gone any further. So this was actually his first final, and he got it done. He played, he played some great tennis this week. You only have to win four matches at, at these smaller tournaments if, you have a, if you're a high seed and you get a first-round bye. Mm-hmm. And it felt like from the beginning that maybe, you know what, maybe this was his week. And I thought it was pretty interesting that uh, despite the, the musical chairs and the revolving coaches and everything that's been going on in his career this season, that the only person that he seemed to have there this week was his trainer. So maybe... You know, the fact that all the noise quieted down a little bit may just may have helped him some, and um, I, he definitely it was definitely a real push for him uh, to finish the season and get that first title under his belt. And and who knows from there? You know, you can soar. Well, speaking of semis, two years ago, was it three years? Two years ago, he got to the semis in Montreal. Okay, and then he went down to New York at the U.S. Open and won the hearts of uh, the Flushing faithful. Did that go to his head, Steph? Did I mean it must? Be, I mean, he was 18 years old at the time. I imagine. Did, 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 how much did he have to deal with that? That did you know you get really carried away with yourself? You know, I really don't think that that applies in his case. Okay. You know, the the, the I think that he actually, in fact, you know, the, the, it, the easiest part of it in a lot of ways is that first year when you rise up. Because nobody knows you, nobody really knows your game. They haven't really scouted your weaknesses. Uh, you know, you're you're sort of on a flyer. You're confident. You're basically oblivious to anything. That's the relatively. It's all hard, but that's the relatively easiest part. The tough part comes the second year when people have been doing their homework and they've been watching you play. And the way the ranking system works, if you don't do at least as well that second year, mm-hmm. you fall. Mm-hmm. I mean, to do to, to do better, you have to do better than that, and it was already pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. And he managed to keep he managed to to keep himself in the same general you know category. He was able to pull you know pull enough results here and there to keep himself pretty steady. And I thought that that was a terrific effort. This year, he started off slowly. He he had uh, a coaching change in Miami. And then the next thing you know, his coach, the junior shows up for the clay and that didn't work that well. And then his mom is always there and, you know, everything was going on. And, um, and I think he felt reading between the lines of the things that he said to me at Wimbledon, he felt like people were criticizing his coaching choices, that they weren't, you know, that, that big league coach, that well-known coach that you need to get you to the top, all that kind of stuff that they say to players who are aiming for, for you know, at the top 10. And, um, and he was really defensive about it. He's like, no, we're doing the work. We're doing the right things. We're doing this. We're doing that. And I think he went to, to he may have gone to see a sports psychologist, just somebody to talk to about all the stuff that was going on. 
And slowly but surely, he started to pull it together. And here, but here's the thing about him. He's flashy, you know, which means he can be erratic. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so he may always have some ups and downs. He may not be that guy who shows up every week and puts, puts in the same effort and gets the same results. But he's got so much talent that uh, it would be crazy to put any limits on what he can do. Okay, I mean, chapeau to you, because because uh, I was thinking he, he he's not looking good at all, and you said, no, he's going to snap out of it. So, okay, felicitations to you, kiddo. Uh, now, let me ask you about a guy that we've talked about many times over the years, and I'm so happy for him. It's not a big tournament, Las Vegas. I mean, it's a challenger event. Uh, we're talking about uh, Pospisil, Vasek, Vasek Pospisil who is a prince of a guy, and he plays tennis sometimes like a prince of a guy. How? And he did very well in Asia, what, 10 days ago? And now he won on Sunday as well. How big a psychological lift is this for him to win in Las Vegas? Oh, it's it's pretty big. And it, not only that, but just the way he played the whole week, too. Because here's the thing, you know, this guy, this guy had issues back issues for like years, like three years. Now, every time he'd sort of get on a little bit of a roll, his back would lock up, he'd be in pain. You know, it went on and on and on. And then finally in January, he had surgery. And uh, to come back from that is not an easy thing. And back surgery does not always work for tennis players or anybody else. And um, and he, he definitely came back a little heavy. He had to get fit again. And but the main thing is that though you know and he was, he had a few twinges here and there that he had to sort of get through, and um, and finally now he's he's gotten on a bit of a roll and it definitely feels good. He's got a couple of more challengers in the U.S. scheduled not this week but next week and the week after, and hopefully he can get it you know back into the top 150 and um, and he can really look at at a, at a, a bit of a you know a, oh see a comeback. He's going to be 30 next year. And the other thing that he's had going on this year, too, which I think has taken a lot of his emotional energy, is that he's on the ATP tournament mm-hmm, council. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the leading guys, you know, proponents, and he's out there being a serious activist on behalf of the players. And he's doing a lot of interviews, and, you know, the meetings are long, and he's taking a lot of flack from certain things. So he's, you know, even though he hasn't, play, he, he hasn't played that much tennis this year because of the surgery, he's certainly been... Very, 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 very busy and preoccupied as well. At one point, he, didn't he get as high as number 26 in the world or 27 in the world a few years ago? Yeah, I think it was like, around 2013, 14, when he, when he made the... Um, the finals in Washington. Made the finals in Washington against Raonich, and didn't he make the semis at Rogers Cup? And That's right. Raonich there, too. That's yeah. right. And then he won Wimbledon doubles that year. And the thing is, you know, I think that that's... That's that's probably his ceiling. It's hard to it's hard to say. You never really know, you know. But I think he can be that good again. I mean, I think the level in the last five six years on the ATP tour has probably been raised. But he can get better as well. But I mean, certainly this is a guy who can be a you know regular top forty player. There, there's uh. I don't I don't think there's any reason why not. You know, the main thing is for him to get to get back there. And, uh, you know, he's going to have next year, he's going to basically have no tournaments at all. I mean, basically from now until 
next year's Wimbledon, everything that he does, every tournament he plays and every result he puts up is a plus because he has no ranking points to defend. So a couple of good results, and he can jump up pretty quickly. Okay, and, and, and we did talk about it after he beat, after he won that first-round match against the Russian kid in, at, 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 uh, in Flushing Meadows. Uh, I mean, that, was, that showed me, and, and you too, it, it showed us this guy's got soul, man. He's got heart, and I don't think there's anybody in the world that's not going to be happy if he makes it back into the top 40. <laughs> Sounds like you like him. <laughs> I love him, well, so do you. I mean, he's just, he's just a great-looking guy, man. <laughs> All right, thank you very much. Right, well, speaking of great, okay, and, and so, okay, and let, what, what about, what about uh, Shappy's ceiling? Have you got any idea on that? It's so hard to tell, okay. you know, it, because because talent is just talent is just like one element of this, and it, you know injuries are something that you can't predict. There's so many things that are happening. It's most people think that that he that Felix Auger Eliassime has a um, a higher ceiling than him. You know, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't think it's a it's it's a competition either. Uh, and I remember. Uh, Uncle Tony Nadal, when I was at his academy. Your coach, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mallorca. You always drop oh, yeah. that. I like the yeah, way you drop I that. Know, that yeah. I know, I know. Coach Tony. Yeah. Tony. Yeah. I like people named Tony. And um, But he told me at the, you know, and this is, we're talking about a year and a half ago. This is after all the 2017 stuff, two years ago. And he said, and he said that he thought he could be number one. And I thought, well, okay, that's a big call. And, he, and I asked him why. And he said, well, because he has so many ways to win mm-hmm. points. Okay. And I think that that's still true. I think that what he has to balance is his natural exuberance and eagerness to go for those big shots, along with picking the right time to go. Mm-hmm. And that comes with maturity. I mean, the kid's only twenty. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's you know, can he be a top ten player? Well, there's only room for ten. But I'll tell you what: five years from now, when he's twenty five, and Djokovic and Nadal and Federer are uh, probably. Uh, out of the maybe. Picture, what about yeah, Murray, maybe. though? <laughs> Mur- well, yeah, exactly. You know, Vavrika, we, we don't know. These guys may never leave. But but assuming that there there is a, a thinning out at the top, there's certainly going to be room in that top 10 for a lot of guys. And you have to, I mean, you have to put him you know, in that picture for sure. Okay. Now, speaking of top 10, top 5, we have a top 5 lady, woman, I know, female. I've got to be politically correct here. That you've just written a book on the, the lady that won uh, Bianca Andrescu just won the Rogers Cup this summer and won the U.S. Open and finally lost a match. She went down to Asia. She lost the first match since March when she's been physically healthy. You have just completed a book about her. Is it out yet? Is it published? Uh, it's coming out November eighteenth, if I'm not mistaken. These things. Uh, they they tend to do these types of books. It is not a Pulitzer Prize winning book. Oh come on! Knows. I mean, it's, I think it's going to be. I think it's pretty good. But it's but mostly what it is. It's just a. It's just a, a kind of a chronol- chronicling of her rise to the top of the game and her early days. And there's lots of photos in there that I'm sure a lot of them are mine that nobody's seen before. And and uh, I, I guess it's, you could sort of call it a celebration of her season. I guess you know it's a happy book. Okay, so just remember the people you met on the way up, okay? Oh, uh, you know what? I wrote this I wrote this bad boy in I think <laughs> nine days when I came back from the US Open. I didn't sleep for hey, like But that's nine the days. big time. That's what they do in New York when somebody does something, right? Well, they, you they know, got I, some I, fancy sports writer to, to put out put out a quickie book and it's not easy to do. 
it's harder than you'd think. Yeah. Luckily, luckily, in this particular case, because I witnessed so much of it personally, mm-hmm. um, it was probably a little bit easier than someone who would have had to go and probably read all my stuff for the last five years, you know, and, re- and research everything and do it. So in, in that sense, it was it was a little bit easier because I still had I still had a fair bit of it in my muscle memory, and I kind of started at the okay. end and worked backwards. But uh, yeah, it's like twenty thousand words. Uh, a lot of words. <laughs> and what, what's the title, Bianca? Uh, I think it's called Bianca Andrescu, She the North. She of the North. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, there's a big hashtag that came out. That a girl, one. jump they on the jump on the Raptors thing. Okay. Yeah, uh, it wasn't me. I didn't do that. Hey. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. Yeah. Okay. Th- uh, uh, thanks, kiddo. And um, okay, so have a good fall. All right, I'm, look, I'm headed off to Milan for the next-gen finals, which is where all the young guys oh my end God. up the season. So hopefully, OJ Eliassime and Shapovalov will both go and play that event, and uh, hopefully they'll square off against each other in the final. Now, I mean, wait a minute. So you're, you're, wait a minute. You're, you're going off to spend the fall in Milano. No, a big week, and all I'm going to see are the tennis courts. All right. It's not as good as it sounds. Right. <laughs> I hope it doesn't snow. <laughs> Well, it'll be snowing by the time you get back. Thanks, my dear. See you soon. Okay, bye. Bye.